Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Uh, my name's Gareth, as Ben said earlier on. I'm uh, one of the youth team here. And um, I would like you to take your Bibles up. Grab your Bibles and turn to page 358 because we're going to be um, splitting our Bible reading up. And Dan has volunteered to come and read. Uh, and because he's volunteered, I've organised him a special comfy chair down here. Uh, so Dan, come and join us. He was really happy that he had to sit out the front the whole time, as you can see from the look on his face. Um, let me just set the scene for you um, as we start. If you were at uh, Kid Stuff last week, um, you will have learnt that God's people are in a right state at this point in 1 Kings. Um, uh, they've been promised some amazing things, and yet things aren't going well at all. And the main problem is a new king. And I need a volunteer at this point. Does anyone want to come and be my king? I need to, you're a queen. Come on then, Nathan. Come on. Thank you very much. Um, now, uh, this is King Ahab, not Nathan. Um, we did, um, we've got the biggest wash, uh, washing up box. We've got the biggest dressing up box ever. And I couldn't find a crown in there. Can you believe it? Um, so a golden top hat seemed to be right for a king. Let me stick this chair here. And there's your throne. In you go, Ahab. Make yourself at home. Thank you very much. Now then. Oh dear, it's going to be one of those mornings, isn't it? Now, um, God had promised great things to his people, uh, but this king got it all wrong. Uh, just, uh, we're going to be reading 1 Kings 17 in a minute, but just have a look at 1 Kings 16 and verse 13. If you could read that for us, Dan, see what Ahab was like. Verse 34. Uh, 1, Kings, uh, 1 Kings 16, verse 30. 30. Thank you. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Great. He did more evil than any other king. This king... (laughs) This king uh, not only ignored God, but worshipped other gods too. Even though the one true God had promised him some amazing things. I wonder what God's going to do. Well, like I said, we've got our reading in three spots this morning. um, And each spot is going to have a question for you to think through as Dan reads for us. So here's your first question. What terrible thing happens to God's people as we read 1 Kings 17, verses 1 to 6? Thanks, Dan. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Thank you very much. Now, you might think the terrible thing is here, um, a man being fed by unclean, dirty birds. Um, Bread and meat come in the morning. Yuck. That's not it. You might think uh, that it is, uh, the terrible thing that happens to God's people is that there's no rain, there's a drought, and you'd be getting closer because drought is a picture of the most terrible thing that's happening to God's people here. Let me just read you verses two and three again. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, 
turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. Now that doesn't sound too terrible really at first reading, does it? Until you begin to think about the big Bible story that we've had so far. You see, God created everything to be perfect at the beginning. And men and women, Adam and Eve, could walk with God, meet him face to face in the Garden of Eden, chat to him, listen to him. It must have been absolutely brilliant. But they decided they wanted to do things their own way. And so they got banished from the Garden of Eden. So God used different ways to communicate to his people. And at this point in history, we have God communicating through prophets. Elijah is one of those prophets. He's God's mouthpiece. He's the way that God talks to his people. And so, although, well, it's all right that, isn't it? It's not as good as face to face, but God's still talking. And so as Elijah the prophet, uh, we get to this little bit in, um, in 1 Kings, God's mouthpiece heads east away from God's people. They're facing the worst punishment ever. God is not going to speak to them anymore. The prophet's gone. He's taken away his friendship with them. And we all need to know this, and Ahab especially, so I'm going to get him to hold it. Uh, Thank you very much. Friendship with God is something terrible to lose. Friendship with God is something terrible to lose. Now it might be terrible, but have a think about it. We learned Ahab's not really listened uh, very well to God. Um, He's not so keen on listening to God. And people who don't listen to God, well they don't deserve to hear from him, do they? Now that might be worth keeping in mind if you are here this morning and you've never really got to grips with what God said. You've never really had a look at the Bible and what it is really going on about. Um, It might be worth keeping in mind if you find something in the Bible that is very, very clearly said, but you don't agree with it. It might be worth keeping in mind when you choose to do other things other than come with the rest of God's people and listen uh, to what God is saying, whether it's a church service or a small group or something like that. Or, Or when you're just, I don't know, beginning to flag in your Bible readings or your family devotions or your quiet times and your prayers. King Ahab doesn't listen And so God stops speaking. Friendship with God is something terrible to lose. Do you want to rest it on your thing so your arms don't? Put it it here. Let me show you. Look, come here. Let me give you a little tip. Here you go. Let go. There. You can hold it. There you go. (laughs) Gracious even to King Ahab. Um, uh, But there are more surprises to come. Um, uh, God and what he says keeps Elijah going because he's got somebody else he wants to speak to. Here's our next reading and your next question, therefore. Can you spot anything surprising about where and who God sends his prophet to next? And we're going to start at verse 7 and go to 16. Thank you, Dan. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. 
and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Thank you. So some really surprising stuff. Um, not least a, a jug that keeps filling up with oil and a jar that keeps filling up with flour. Very miraculous. But no, that's not the biggest surprise here. The biggest surprise is the address that Elijah is sent to. Did you spot it in verse 9? To Zarephath in the region of Sidon. That's not a good place for one of God's people to be. It's enemy territory. Uh, in Zarephath, they worshipped other gods and they didn't like people who worshipped the one true God. This is Baalsville, if you like. Uh, and the next bad thing, the surprising thing that happens is the person he goes to. Now, you can guess by the stage, I'm going to need a widow who gets to keep a fibre, gets to get a fibre. Any widow want to come in? <laughs> well, you are the only one who's volunteering so far, so there you go. Thanks, Kez. Come and sit up here. Now, this widow, let me introduce you to her. Um, on you get. That's great. Um, she's a widow, so she's got no husband, that means. Um, there you go. Yep. That's fantastic. Have a little shawl as well. There you go. Pop that around yourself. Um, uh, not only is she a, a widow, she's, she's a woman. Um, uh, she, um, we have already found out, is from a place where they don't worship God, so she doesn't know God. And as we read on in our story, we'll find that she actually um, admits to being someone who actually ignores God, who sins. And even worse, she is ever so poor. <laughs> and sad. <laughs> you can do that to your own daughter, can't you? Um, yeah, so... Um, uh, no, this is, this is um, uh, brilliant news for all of us, isn't it? Um, uh, and brilliant news and really encouraging news because it reminds us that it goes, as God goes to this lady, that, um, thank you very much, that God wants to be friends with us no matter who we are and no matter what we've done. Nobody is too far away from God. Now, you might be sat in your pews this morning thinking to yourself, you know what? I'm just a rebellious nobody. I have turned my back on God. And if you're feeling like that, you're actually closer to God than a rich, stubborn, self-sufficient king. When Ahab heard that Elijah had gone to this woman, he must have been absolutely livid. What does Elijah think he's doing? What does God think he's doing? Sending, uh, sending Elijah to this woman, who's an absolute nobody. Jesus uses this story in Luke 4 um, and he uses it to teach how when his good news is rejected by God's people, it will go to everyone else. Uh, the Jews in the synagogue, when they hear Jesus explaining what this story is about, they get so angry that Jesus should suggest that there are others that they deserve to hear from God that they try and chuck him off a cliff, it says. Now, they don't manage it, but it just goes to show how cross the people who should be listening to God's word can get when God goes elsewhere to people who don't know him. If, you, um, if you've ever felt a little bit miffed um, when someone who's maybe not as educated as you are 
or who maybe hasn't come right their way through Fullwood Church and got a family who've been here for years and years, or maybe they're not quite S10. Um, when, when When they turn up here more excited about God than you are, does that ever make you a little bit miffed? Maybe being cross about others getting saved is a sign that your relationship with God isn't quite what it should be. Anyway, amazingly, this widow... Um, uh, unlike King Ahab and unlike the rest of God's people she listens and obeys God now I'm not sure she was expecting very much to tell you the truth um, but she does trust what Elijah says and it's a daily trust Um, she uh, feeds Elijah and her little family from this jug and this jar uh, just hoping that tomorrow morning is going to be full again each day uh, what she wanted, and it was quite shocking, I don't know whether you noticed it in the, um, in the verses, in verse 12, what she wanted was just to go home, make a bit of bread, and die. But God has something so much better for her, a never-ending supply of food, something she receives as she trusts and obeys him. Friendship with God is something that God wants with everybody, and no matter who you are, and no matter what you've done. Uh, God's way is always much better, even if it's hard work sometimes. And being friends with God is good. Did you hear that? Friendship with God is good. I think sometimes we often forget. Uh, God's not somebody who's just around to make up rules for us or to uh, get us to do religious things. He's not somebody here who's to spoil our fun in any way. God is good and friendship with him is something that we should sing joyfully about and I hope you do that when you come to church, sing joyfully. But just how good is it? Let's have a look at what happens next. I warn you this is a bit sad but it does end happily Um, and here's your two questions. Um, Why does the widow think she thinks, think her son died Um, and why, that's so terrible isn't it? Why does the widow think her son Just take the S off. Why does the widow think her son died? And what does the widow end up trusting? Okay, thank you. We're starting at verse 18, I think, is it? 17, great. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son. Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked him up, picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So when this uh, woman's son sadly dies, she asks Elijah if it's her sin that's caused his death. Verse 18, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Has my sin caused his death? That's how it worked in those days. Um, uh, If you uh, were shamed or you did something terrible, it reflected and affected your whole family. 
We don't think like that so much these days, do we? Uh, we think a lot more individual, individualistically. I wonder how much Ahab um, thought about his sin and the problems that it was causing God's people. Um, does it ever cross your mind that as you disobey God, it does affect others in big ways, a lot? This widow knows that someone somewhere has to pay for the sin that she's committing, the way she's turning her back on God. Disobeying God must be punished. Who will pay for my sin? It's a good question to ask. It's the question that Ahab should have asked, and it's the question that all of us need to ask. Who will pay for the way in which we turn our backs on God? Just for a moment, imagine. Imagine that God is real and true. That everything that's said about him in the Bible is absolute truth. He's there. Uh, He made everything. He keeps everything going. And probably the most important thing, he loves you to the bottom of his heart. Now, keep that God in mind and think about your life. What's your your life been like? If it's been a a good life, have you uh, thanked God as much as you ought to for all the good things he's given you? Um, If there have been times in your life when it's been a bit tough... Have you relied on him as much as he's offered help? And how much of what God has said and what God has done has moulded and motivated the decisions and priorities that you've made in your life? If God is real and true, we need to be honest, don't we? Like this widow, we've got to admit that we've made a right pig's ear of what could have been an amazing friendship. Ahab has... This widow has, and the person sat next to in the pew right now has. We all have. We don't know and trust God as we ought. And the Bible calls falling out of friends with God's sin. And it leaves us in a mess. What's the price? I guess that's what this woman is asking for messing up so badly. Well, this passage, I think, says the price is death. Death. Scary? Maybe. Easy to ignore? Well, yes, I... I, probably guarantee that most of us here this morning haven't thought about death before we got here one way or another Uh, is it true most certainly all of us deserve death and separation from God for turning our backs on him hopeless definitely not and that's the brilliant news in 1 Kings 17 we are shown that God can overcome the death that sin deserves this widow has no idea how good God can be at first you know she's just hoping for another day to live um, uh, uh, trusting God and his word. Um, later, as you know, the jug and the flower fill up day after day, week after week, month after month, I don't know how long it was, um, she would have been overwhelmed. Is God really this good? But as God through Elijah brings her son back to life from death, she really gets it. Verse 24. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know. That you are, you don't need to imagine it, you don't need to imagine it anymore. Now I know that you are the man of God and that the word from the Lord from your mouth is truth. Friendship with God is real, it is true, and it is good, really good. God's gift of friendship to us is so good that it can beat the death that our lack of friendship with Him deserves. I'll say that again because if you don't remember anything else today, I want you to remember that. God's gift of friendship to us is so good. It can even beat the death that our lack of friendship with him deserves. The widow's son coming back to, to life is, is a, it's just a little bit of a shadow, a glimmer, if you like, of what we've just celebrated over Easter. A brilliant thing that we've celebrated. Jesus, God's own son, died for us and 
totally beat death, came back to life. Uh, unfortunately, this widow's son, she's, he's going to have to die again. Um, but Jesus' death and resurrection goes on forever for him. And here's the really exciting bit. It goes on for us too if we believe and trust with him. That's how good God is. Thanks be to God for his amazing gift. God really can do something about the death that sin deserves. So, remember, friendship with God is something terrible to lose, something terrible not to have in the first place. Uh, God wants to be friends with absolutely everybody, no matter what you've done and what you've said. And Dan, you've only got to hold it for a couple of minutes. It's that good that it lasts forever, forever. Ben, thank you. So friendship with God is the greatest thing and lasts forever and a terrible thing to lose. Uh, but as we think about that, it should, I guess, cut us to the heart, isn't, shouldn't it? Because we know that we uh, don't respond to his friendship in the ways that we should. We certainly don't respond as friends should. And we're going to confess that together. We're going to use the, the prayer that you'll find about two-thirds of the way down uh, page two on the service sheet. Let's uh, confess uh, to God our Heavenly Father together. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your friendship. Thank you that you love us and care for us all the time. We know that this week we have not always listened to what you say, nor lived the way you tell us. Only you can save us. So please forgive us and help us to live as your friends. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.